And so it used to be called the midlife crisis, right? That was sort of the cliche for what happens when you're around 45 or 50. But it's not a crisis. It's more like a waking up because it's, it's usually some kind of awakening to like, holy crap, like, I've been doing this all my life and I just realized I don't want to do any of it. I'm Krati Mehra, and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy, and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness, because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode number 21. And I want to start today's episode by sharing a beautiful quote from The Velveteen Rabbit that goes something like this. It doesn't happen all at once. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, Most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. These words are so poignant and such a beautiful reminder of what truly matters and how to handle the changes that come our way as we go through life. And I think... It tells us how we're supposed to feel as we grow older. With each advancing year, we should all be glad for all the wisdom and experience we have collected. We should revel in the self-knowledge that allows us to make better choices and only choose adventures that speak to our soul. Instead of which, too many of us are worried about becoming irrelevant, losing our love for life, losing the energy and drive that makes us interesting. I know that a lot of people after a certain age feel exactly like that, and while it's natural to fear the change that age brings with it, at the same time, I really want each and every one of us to embrace those very changes with grace and remember that none of it actually defines us. It doesn't dictate who we get to be with each new day. But, as Skin Horse said in The Velveteen Rabbit, If you want to be real and revel in the beauty of what that means, you have to be resilient. You can't allow whatever meaning you or the society attaches to your age to break your confidence or slow you down. Which is what we're talking about in today's very fun episode. Our guest, Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith, is an award-winning, board-certified obstetrics and gynecology physician, author and life coach based in Houston, Texas, In addition to starting one of the largest all-female OBGYN groups in the country, she's also the founder of a line of skincare products and certified organic transdermal hormones that support optimal aging. Susan is passionate about helping women navigate midlife while remaining vibrant, connected, and sexually satisfied. She's done extensive research on the subject of menopause and sexuality and has written a book, Sexually Vogue, which talks about exploring the need for a deeper connection with oneself and others in order to join the Sexually Vogue, a group of over a thousand women surveyed who have discovered vibrant sexual and spiritual lives in midlife. 
Apart from all the learnings gleaned from the massive amount of research and professional experience, Dr. Susan has herself gone through an awakening in her 50s that led to the kind of change that demanded a complete upheaval of all things comfortable and familiar. But Dr. Susan handled it like an absolute badass and did whatever was necessary to create a life that she adores. So let's see what Dr. Susan advises us to do when we find ourselves struggling with the insecurities that age brings with it. So I want to thank you. I have been so excited, so looking forward to this conversation because I have heard your interviews. And of course, this is an area where I don't really know all that much. I'm eager to learn. But it is definitely, uh, you know, something that I wanted to talk about because I know so little about it and it is such a common concern with people. So thank you so much for making time for this interview. I'm so glad to have you here. My pleasure. I'm excited to share with you. Awesome. So uh, as I said, I have heard some of your interviews. Now, see, the thing is, when it comes to menopause, when it comes to, you know, not aging so gracefully, I think that is something... I think I've in my life, I've only met like half a dozen women in that age group who have been completely okay with their advancing years. I mean, everyone struggles. I'm 29 and I already have like some of these concerns. I would like to grow up to be a super confident woman, but some days you feel like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm going to be one of those insecure women who keep looking in the mirror, checking for wrinkles and stuff, because that's such a common concern. Everyone struggles with it. And you have made like a study out of it you've you've been helping people with it so any key learnings that you had oh sure well that is a that could be a we could talk about this for weeks so i'll try to now i'll try to narrow it down a little bit but one thing you said really is so interesting because um you're you're young and so um i'm 53 so i'm you know my generation the sort of 45 to 55 group is the demographic that I usually talk to. And so it's so exciting to talk to a younger woman. I have I have 16 year old teenage girls, so that's a generation below you. But in your age group, um, you know, what you said just even highlights how important this is because you're seeing women my age and anticipating how your life is gonna be as you grow up. And we that just added another level that I've never thought about, thank you so much, about our responsibility to set a good example. So in as much as we're teaching our young people, and God forbid I teach this to my children, what we were taught that getting old, getting old, I'm not old, by the way, but getting older no. and aging is uh, bad and that there's some best age to be. And, and you know, what is that best age? You know, on social media, maybe it's 25 or right. I don't know what it is. It depends, but it's, it's definitely, it's usually not whatever age you are, right? Like everybody wants to be different, you know, and there's this sort of overwhelming idea that something's wrong with me. Like I'm not quite good enough. If only I could have that one thing, if just these wrinkles would go away, then I'd be happy. Or I don't, I don't, what's the thing when you're 29 that if only I could be married or if only I'm thinking when I was 29, everything was perfect, except I wasn't married. So it's like, if I could just be married and then once you get married, if I could just have children and then there's always something wrong, you know, like we are taught to, um, and it's sort of the human condition to, to, but we, I think we have to recognize that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. I have a spiritual practice that helps me with this, just, you know, constantly remembering that nothing's wrong. Uh, everything's okay as it is, but that's, a, you know, it's a really 
countercultural idea, you know, because capitalism sort of driven by this idea that we want something else, right? Like if we all, if we all started thinking we were fine, the way we are, we'd stop buying yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. you know, so the, the economy would yeah, fall apart. But so, so, yeah, so we're like, uh, you know, so the culture's driving it, the economy's driving it. Um, and then internally, this voice that we've been taught, and it's like, I sometimes think like, where is that voice coming from that I have to do this or that or that? Who, who says you have to get married or have children or like just reevaluating those thoughts yeah. or ideas like are they really true like it, you know whose whose idea is that and so for women in my age group it's like you know the ideas might be oh like you're 50 so that's kind of you know old and you're not sexy anymore so my you know my focus a lot is on sexuality but you can sexuality isn't just sex it's about just I often say like sex drive is about life drive like when you want to be intimately engaged with someone else in that way you also kind of want to do stuff you want to be active and vibrant so we're taught that when we're 50 you know that's you're not active you're not vibrant you're just kind of old and you know that's just it you're go you go play bridge or go live in florida and that's the end of all exciting things it's not who says (laughs) right so we have to challenge that but so the whole idea of these limiting beliefs, it applies to every age group. So how does that, you know, so like, how does that resonate with you? What is it that in your age group you think people are like so unhappy about? Like one, oh, if only in my age group, it's like that the getting older is, is like, oh, oh God, no, I have wrinkles. My hair is getting gray. You know, I'm not sexy. What's your, what's your thing? So I would, like you said, you know, you are, you reach a certain age and then you have all of these ideas. Like I should have done X, Y thing by now. I'm not married. I'm very like happily single. This is a position I've chosen with complete confidence and complete certainty that this is exactly what I want. But then you feel all this judgment coming at you and you feel this compulsion to explain your position to people. Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking, okay, if I'm not getting married, then maybe I need to do X, Y thing. To make sure people understand that this is not a position I've taken out of desperation or out of because I couldn't find anyone. So there's that insecurity. But that's like at this age. And then you start thinking, okay, when I'm 40, what if then I regret my decision that I've taken now? Would I be too old for it? And this is something that I get from people. This is not my own idea because I think there is age is just a number. Like I consciously believe that when I journal, I would, if this ever comes up, that's what I would write. And that's what I would genuinely believe that age is just a number. I'm not old as long as I don't think I'm old, but then society puts all these ideas in your head and you start thinking, but do I look old? Do I suddenly look old? <laughs> I, yeah. Recently, like I, I felt like, am I, am I looking older than my age? What's happening? I gained a little weight and suddenly it was a point of concern. Or if my period isn't as regular, I'm thinking, is that, is that an age thing? What's happening? It's so interesting. Yeah. So I love that. It's so, um, I've been, I've been sort of in this bubble of the sort of 40 to 60 group. And so I'm really excited that you've sort of drawn my thoughts out of that bubble for a minute. I also am pretty in the bubble right. of teenagers because I have them. But um, just again, remembering what it was like to be, you know, because I was 29 and um, I've, I've been every age after that, obviously, up until now. And every every single age that we are, there's something wrong with it like we're always trying to get somewhere different my teenagers want to be 18 yeah so they can be 18 and then they want to be 21 so they can get what comes with that and then when you're 21 you want to be 
some other thing. And then at a certain age, you want to be younger. And so we never stop and just are completely happy with where we are. And so I think, you know, this is a, a lot of what I talk about with the women in my age group, because it's a really big thing, but maybe it's not such a, maybe it's just always, right? Like yeah, it's not so true. much about, um, yeah, it's not so much about a certain age. So I happen to talk in this age group because that's how old I am right now. But if I had, if I had had this wisdom when I was your age, I would have been talking about it from that point of view. Cause I never thought about it till I was probably, I don't know, 40, 45. I just, I didn't cross my mind. I was just blindly following this kind of conveyor belt thing that, society put me on and I did it all really well. Like, you know, I, I did all the things you're supposed to do. I got married, had kids, medical school, residency, good job, you know, big house, big car, all the things, all the things, all the things. And then you get to a certain point and like, oh, shoot. Uh, oh, like I got, okay. I got to the top of this mountain that they told me I was supposed to climb. And, uh, you know, I don't like the view. Like, oh, now what do I do? And then, and then we start reevaluating like, okay, I did all this stuff that I was supposed to do. And and they told me it was supposed to make me happy, but I'm still just as unhappy as I was before because I still don't like where I am. And I want to be different. It's like constantly being on this um, hamster wheel, trying to get somewhere else. And if we can just stop and just say, you know, just be okay with where we are, you know, that that's, um, it would be so amazing if we could all live like that. And it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, um, whatever age, but yeah, for women, my age, which is what I talk about mostly that that's a, there's so many things that happen. I mean, so many things happen every age, but this is a really, you'll look forward to this around 50 ish, you know, for there's this kind of whole bunch of stuff happens all at once. Like your kids are leaving home and your parents are getting older and maybe they're dying and maybe you're getting health issues too. A lot of women developing breast cancer and other things. And then your marriage has been kind of old and maybe it's falling apart because the divorce rate's really high around 50 because women and men are sort of starting to reevaluate. They're like, Oh, you know, the kids leave home and then, okay, I don't really like you anymore. Like, so there's a, a lot of that. So there's all these things pile on. And so it used to be called the midlife crisis, right? That was sort of the cliche for what happens when you're around yeah. 45 or 50 and you just say, Oh, F it. I'm just going to leave and go to France or something like that. And people were like, Oh, she just went crazy and went yeah. and didn't eat, pray, love thing or something. But it's not, it's just really a, it does happen a lot. And I, I think the midlife crisis idea is just, it's, it's a, it happens, but it's not a crisis. It's more like a waking up. And so my yes. book is called sexually woke because it's it's usually some kind of awakening to like holy crap but I've been doing this all my life and I just realized I don't want to do any of it and yeah life is too short right I want to do something different and so um, that that happened to me actually and it feels like a crisis at the time and you know talk about judgment so you worry and I, I totally get that idea like okay so I've decided not to be married but I need to make it look really good so people don't wonder why I'm not married. I'll just be like, oh, I've got this great career and all these things going on and I'm traveling. So that's why I'm not married. Um, but this, because we're, we're so afraid of judgment. Um, and like when you go through this midlife crisis quote, it's air quotes I'm doing because you can't see the video, but um, it's not a cri- It's a crisis of, um, feels like a crisis because people don't like it. They're like, oh, you have to face the judgment of getting divorced or changing your job. Like I, I changed, uh, I had a, what, 
seemed to be like a fantastic career. And it was in a lot of ways, but I wasn't loving it anymore. And so I, I threw it away. I didn't throw it away. I left it about a year ago and started something new. And so who does that when they're 53? It's like financially irresponsible. It's like, what, you know, why would, what? Like you're supposed to be, you don't start something new when you're 53. What's wrong with you? Like, yeah. But um, yeah, so you have to just walk, just stay in your own shoes is the piece of advice I give to a lot of coaching clients. Stay in your own shoes. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's like, who, why, do, why do we care so much about what other people think? Yeah, I think I'll add one thing to that. I think what happens is when you are, it maybe if you're 50 years old and you make all of this change to your life and you declare to people, I'm going to do this instead of this because this new thing is what's going to make me happy. I think people are afraid that they are going to have to look at their own life and they don't have the courage for it. That's so true. I totally agree with you. You know what happened to me, and this happens to a lot of people. I got, like many people, I got divorced in my mid-40s from someone I'd been with forever. And um, because it was that waking up, like, you know, is this really who I want to spend the rest of my life with? The answer was no. And it's a like really tough question. And, and yeah, it's a big decision because the kids and everything, but you eventually have to go with your heart and you get a lot of judgment. Um, but uh so what happened to me, and this happens to a lot of people, my married friends stopped stopped wanting to be around me because they their husbands, I think, were worried because I left my husband, which was very yeah. unpopular. Like, I don't want you talking to her because you might get ideas and you might want to do it too because you, you become kind of scary because like <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, like if she left her marriage, maybe my marriage isn't that great either. So, so there's all this like comparison, yeah. like, um, and then, you know, now we have all the social media and you guys and your generation are so much more in, in, uh, engrossed in it than mine, which I'm, it's so, it must be so hard regarding comparison. Cause like everybody has, looks like they have the perfect family and the perfect everything, yeah. but I don't have the perfect family. And then I feel like, oh my God, something's wrong with me. And I'm the only one that's family isn't perfect. And, but it, you know, that's all just nonsense. Right. But you're right. People get scared when they see people make really brave decisions yeah. because they have to look at their life and be like, Oh, I, maybe I, Oh my, I, you know, so they don't want to, yeah. there's a certain not wanting to be around. There's a fear of that. Yeah. yeah. Scared yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People are scared of people that do out of the box things. And that's just, yeah. it's disruptive. Right. So people who are disruptive are, um, generally unpopular in a certain way because it is it's disruptive to the status quo and as long as we want to keep this fantasy together that you get married and have children and stay together forever and have one job till you're 65 and then retire and that whole very narrow view of the way life should be um people who refuse to do it um are disruptive and yeah you know you don't want them around or the whole thing will fall apart yeah. But I think the disruptive ones are the people who ride this this the storm with a lot more courage and a lot more grace than the rest of uh, the rest of humanity because everyone else would just rather hide under the covers and and wait for it to go away, which it never really does. And then you're left with this vague sense of dissatisfaction that you never really try to understand. So yeah. I think the disruptors are the ones we need to look to for guidance. Like you are, I know one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, I agree with you, of course, because I am one. So yes, of course, I'm biased in that way. But um, again, we, like we were talking about just, um, you know, if, if people really did adopt this radical transformation and just start 
do, number one, so listening to their heart, you know, I have this really deep idea of connecting our mind and our body. And it took a long time for me to learn because I, you know, I was medical school, really scientist and all this stuff. And so very much lived in my head. And I, when I learned how to listen to my heart, so to speak, and, you know, it's all part of our brain really, but you feel it in your body. Like, what do I really want? Like, what do I really want? Like, what do I really want? And listen to, listen when the voice comes up and says, this is wrong. Like, this isn't where you need to be. Like, this job isn't the right one for you. This relationship isn't the right one for you. Even if the answer is really scary, because it is scary to, to, to leave a long marriage or to not get married or to do these things that are very countercultural, but to listen to that voice. So if your voice, for example, in your case, continues to tell you that it's not feeling right for you to follow that straight path, the courage to listen to it when it's very countercultural is um, enormous. Um, and, and most people don't honestly have very much. Most people aren't very courageous. Let's just face it. Yeah. They would rather just fly low under the radar and not make a lot of waves. Yeah. But yeah, if we all started to do what we really felt was right for our own heart and start being happy in our own body and our own life, whatever that is we choose for ourselves and not constantly be wanting something to be different, everything would change. I mean, the economy would change. Everything would change. People would stop wanting to be on social media and buy things all the time. And so that would be like a radical transformation of, of the world. And so there's a huge there's a huge push to not have that happen. I mean, that would, you know, so people, people don't want this. Like they want to keep women quiet and keep, I mean, especially yeah, there's a want to keep a lid on it, you know? So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I can see why people wouldn't want it to change because it would challenge everything, you know? Yeah, true. And then the people who are not so willing to move with the flow, they'll have a harder time. And I think they are, they're a larger group of people. So that's why the weight is always in their favor and they're able to shout louder than the rest of us, yeah. even if they are on the side of right on this case. But this is like, this is something what you've talked about that applies to like everyone. I think that's not yeah. just true about women in forties or fifties. That's true for everyone. But, and, and I don't know if this would, if this is just me, but do you think considering how many people you've worked with, considering your experience, do you think that if, we for like I know people have a timeline whether we should or shouldn't is a is a different subject altogether but we all have a timeline like by this age I want to be done with this and by this age like we talked about if you are sticking to that timeline successfully do these insecurities show up or maybe they don't show up as much for them or or do they show up regardless because I've seen people struggle with aging no matter who they are no matter what uh, they, they're doing in their life how successful everybody struggles with it but in your experience, have you ever noticed like a pattern to this pattern to these insecurities? Like, is it different for different kinds of people? Mm, that's a good question. First of all, everybody has it. Yeah. So right. let's, just, let's just go with that idea because that's true. And sometimes we think people don't like some people look so put together and yeah. um, I've, I've, people have thought that about me. I mean, on paper, it looks like, wow, she's kind of a badass. Like she's done everything, but they, you know, when you know, anybody like if you know me like I've had struggled so many ways and so has all, so has everybody right so every everybody struggles because we're human and life has suffering in it and nobody escapes it and um doesn't matter how airbrushed you are on 
on social media, you know, you're struggling. Probably the more airbrushed you are on social media, the more you're struggling because you're not able to accept yourself as you are and you can only be, you know, present when you're face-tuned. That would be really a lot of suffering. I can't imagine living like that. And you have to maintain that facade as well. Oh, God, that'd be so hard. So, yeah, I've, I've sort of started thinking about it that way. Actually, the people who look the most put together are probably struggling the most because <laughs> like, that's so damn hard and it's not and it's not real like to to, to live like that and um i mean that i don't i can't imagine how hard that would be to get up every morning and have to put on a, a you know a certain face before i can go outside i must I must feel so conflicted inside like not be able to just be yourself because like oh it's such a relief just to be yourself like just to be yeah. And, but it's not always going to be popular. Maybe you don't have makeup on or it's not, you know, your, your weight isn't what it, what society says it should be, or should be, you're, yeah. you're not straight or you're not light skinned enough or all these things. Like it's exhausting, you know, if we could just, and so, yeah. So the people who, people who probably look the most put together are trying the hardest, but yeah, so that a pattern that might be one pattern of just the people who are always, you know, perfectly made up and have their weight just right and everything. Oh my gosh, okay. that sounds hard. Um, so, you know, life is hard, but there, you know, you mentioned like people who stick to the timeline, uh, you know, are they, are they yeah. more happy? Uh, I don't think so. Cause I did. I mean, I, I stuck to the timeline, right. but but the, it's just one thing after another. Like the, the, it never stops. Like the timeline keeps going. Like every, you're, you know, you you're married, you have kids, and then you get so far in your job, you want to be uh, this particular role by the time you're thirty, and then this one by the time you're forty, and then you want to have so much money by the time you're fifty, and send your kids to these kind of schools, and then after that, they've got to have this kind of wedding, and then there's something else, and something else, and retirement, and then oh gosh. God forbid, if you are retired, you got to have a really good retirement too, because that's got to look yeah. a certain way. Like you should be going, right? You should be going on this kind of vacation, and should it's like, oh, just could we just relax for a minute? That sounds so hard. And then you're 95 years old on your deathbed, and you haven't. You got to do that right too. Like, like some particular age you've got to get to before you can even die. It's like so. Yeah. It's like the whole thing, just so exhausting. I'd be like, oh, thank God, I finally got to the end of this one thing after another nightmare that was my life. But is that how we want to live? It just sounds like no. Oh, I mean, even talking. You actually it. put it in a pretty funny way. But... Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've met people who, um, I don't think this is, I'm not saying this is a bad idea or try to be judgmental, but like, it is sort of entertaining that like plan their own funeral, like to the, to the, you know, detailed, like, okay, I want, these are the readings I want. And this is like, I want it to be like this. And I want this, this, and like this, like they planned the entire thing, including their own funeral. It's like, you can't just let go for a second of control, you know, controlling that everything should be some way, you know? There's no peace in, in the word should. I, I just, anytime I hear myself saying should or have to or need to, that was actually a coaching um, invitation that was given to me when I was being coached. I, I do coach other people now, but just to count the number of times I said that I should do something or I have to do something or I need to do something. And then just to stop and evaluate if that's actually true. Uh, you know, there are things we need to do for sure. So yeah, maybe the need to is really you do need to, but 
do you really need to? Like, so half the time you really don't need to. Like, I, I you know, I sometimes say, um, I need to go to the gym. I need, oh no, I can't do that because I need to go to the gym. So my friend says, do you want to go out to dinner? I'd say, no, I can't because I need to go to the gym. Well, actually, I'm choosing not to go to dinner with you because I want to go to the gym. Like, that's totally yes. different. Like, yes, right. Uh, because who's telling, who, where'd that voice come from? I don't need to go to the gym. I want to go to the gym. And that, then I'm going in a totally different frame of mind. Because we sort of feel, or I did most of my life, and I, I get, don't, I'm not enlightened or anything. I still do that every day. And I, I change the words. And when I change the words, it changes the point of view, the perspective, the energy that I'm doing these things. And especially the should one, like, oh, I, or I should not, like, oh, I should be married by now. Or I should have so much money in the bank by now. Because that one is like so critical for me to, to flip around. It's like, wait a second. Who said, like, who said, like, you know, can we lighten up around that a little bit? Like, no, you don't. And the have to one, too. I have to, you know, it's, it's, we don't, who, why do we have to? You don't have to, yeah. No. Or maybe you choose to, or maybe, maybe you choose not to. So a lot of the have tos, I'm like, hmm, actually, I don't have to. So maybe I'm not going to. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, it's just like taking, because we we have all these voices in our head, right? And they're they're all yeah. they're inside our own brain. Like God forbid anybody could actually hear the nonsense going on in our brain. <laughs> but um, so don't believe your thoughts. I I, yeah. tell, I teach that all the time. Like, please don't believe your thoughts. Your thoughts are just a bunch of random nonsense, mostly. Like if you could hear what was going on in here, you would. No one would ever want that to be projected. Like imagine if we could read people's thoughts. That'd be scary. That would be scary, yes. Because it's mostly just nonsense. So don't believe it, for goodness sake. It's not true. It's just, um, it's you need. It's really good to challenge it if your thoughts say, oh, God, I should be married by now. Like, oh, I need to have two children by the time I'm 30 or whatever. It's like, who says? Like, it's just no. Uh, so challenge challenge those limit their limiting beliefs so that that's a, i think that sort of sums it up like they those thoughts are limiting beliefs they're limiting our ability to do these magnificent things that we could do if we just yeah allowed ourselves to follow our hearts and find out where, where is our true genius so i love that idea that we all have a true genius of some sort and it's all kinds of different things but Mine was not being a traditional doctor, it turns out, but I did that most of my life. And I was good at it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my genius. It wasn't like, that wasn't where my heart was drawing me to. And if I had listened, you know, we have that little voice that's trying to tell us what that is, but we, we don't, we're like, ah, oh, no, my parents said this or cult, that's not what culture said. I can't do that. I can't do that. Like all those ways we say, no, I can't do that. Like, I can't write a book. Um, I thought that my whole life, I not, I could never write a book. Like other people yeah. write books, but not people like me. I don't do that. I couldn't do it. Like, uh, no. Well, it turns out I did write a book and, it's yeah. kind of, and, and so I can, who knows what else you can do, you know? True. Um, True. You, you're a great uh, example, a great role model to follow. Uh, if for people who are struggling with, because we all do struggle with these ideas, but some of us let the struggles get so overwhelming that we end up living that conventional life that's dictated by society or our parents or 
other family members and we forget that we have this light within us that you know we gotta let it shine so i that's sad but i think you're a pretty good example to follow for people who are trying to break through or trying to you know be heard basically yeah that is so and that's such a beautiful way you said that and uh, because we and sometimes it sounds like a cliche you know that what you said is so beautiful like we do have a light inside of us like there's something we are here to do and as long as we you know we're constantly not listening to that voice because we're afraid of judgment or afraid of being different or being criticized or being um you know, we all want to belong. It's like human nature. We want to belong. We want to be accepted. We want to be um, loved and, and have people approve of us. And and those are all beautiful, wonderful things. But if we're driven by the need to have our self-worth validated from outside, like if our ability to exist is dependent on being on something outside, like being loved by another person or being approved of by another person, then we really lose the ability to, to have that light shine because it's got, you know, we've got to somehow go back to the idea of stay in our own shoes. I mean, it's not that I don't care what people think. Of course I do. I want people to love me and approve of me and all of that. But in a certain way, if I show up as myself, like really who I am, like really who I am and someone doesn't like it, that's okay. You know, I'm not going to bend that to try to be loved. I mean, believe me, I did that for, 40 years or more trying to fit in like trying you know I was trying to be Catholic nothing's wrong with being Catholic but it wasn't really my thing but I did that for a long time like trying to fit in and be a certain way but it doesn't didn't I felt like a square peg in a round hole just not right heart wasn't right with it you know but you just right. just keep going keep marching along and I think most people live like that their whole lives and then they die like that. And it's really sad. Like they've never actually explored their whole light and their whole, like, who is this person that is here? Just have this short time to, to do what's, what's you. And that might not have anything in common with what society says is popular. You know, maybe you don't do all the things that currently are fashionable you know, right now getting, you know, maybe getting married, having kids looking a certain way, having a certain weight, whatever. Yeah. It's it's so restrictive. Yeah. But it's so liberating when you, you declare, like, like I said, I would defend myself, my decision for about not getting married to certain people, because as you said, I I want their love and I want their approval because they're important to me, but only to a certain extent would I explain myself. If you don't get it, then I will very quickly reach a point where I'll be like, then you don't get it. That's, that's not my problem beyond this point. I don't owe you any piece of me or any explanation, or I don't owe my life to you to look a certain way. And you you got to be okay with that. And that's so liberating when you reach that point. It is an unhappy point because you're giving up on certain people, but at the same time, yeah, it's, it's so liberating. Bound. That's a boundary thing. I think like what I'm, I'm feeling and what you're saying, like there's, you know, yeah. yes, we do want to be loved and we all want to be, belong have a group like have a place where we belong or we yeah. feel comfortable with others around us who who understand us and so on but that that group can change too so it might not be the same group your whole life and i, I think it's okay i think it's really okay to um sort of shed a skin and start a new one so like maybe you're not going to be married your whole life to the same person and that's okay like you you can that was great 
and then it has an end and then you can maybe you do lose a bunch of friends and a bunch of things but you can start over so like i you know you'll get a new group of people that you feel comfortable that you can connect with in this new stage of life because life has stages you know and trying to make it be you know, like the idea that you get one job when you're right out of college and then that's going to be your job too, 65. Like your your age group and like my kids' age group have pretty much abandoned that idea. They they don't think that, that they just know they're going to have, you know, they don't expect that's the case. But in my age group, that was sort of expected. You get a job and you have it till you're 65. And it's, it's very limiting. Like yeah. being able to pivot and change and say, you know, okay, I try, because you can't take any risks in that um, environment. Um, but be, being able to say, why I could try this, you know, maybe I'm going to try being an author and um, Hey, if it doesn't work, I can switch and I can try something else. Cause then you, you can, you're sort of floating around in this like much bigger universe where you can go over here and try it out. And okay. I, that does, then you can go over here. And try so you, you can sort of, you become so expansive because you don't live in a little box yeah, anymore. Yeah. You can you can zip all over the place and try stuff and it's not maybe it's not for you but maybe it is because if I never tried it how heck would I know and um my my son's actually super cool he he um he's almost 18 but he has this way of thinking that was so foreign to me um, because he's not certain about his sexuality and he's very he's very okay with it and he's he said I don't understand why you would limit yourself, you know, males or females. That, that's just, you're cutting out half of the people in the world that you could possibly love. And I just thought that was such a brilliant thought. I'm like, beautiful. what a great idea. You're right. You have now you've got so many more options. Um, and I, I think so in different ways, and it's so beautiful that, and I, I know it's not always the way, but in, at least in his social group, that's a very acceptable way to be. And, um, and I, but when I was growing up, like, who knows? I, I could have tried all kind of, I, I wasn't, I, that option never crossed my mind because I was so conditioned to think, you know, you're heterosexual, you know, I mean, I never considered anything else. Like, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it would have been different. Um, so if we could be that flexible in our thinking in all different ways, like I could be anything like, and, you know, and, and, and then take some risks and try those things and, yeah, so I'm teaching that now to women who are sort of my age, about 50, because when you're sort of 50 ish, you're like, this can be a crisis because you haven't done any of that stuff. And you've sort of only done <laughs> only done one thing the whole time you've been alive. And all of a sudden you realize you don't like it. It's like, okay, what do I do now? Like it, having to really reinvent yourself at around yeah. age 50. But I think we can do it at any age, like you said. Right. Um, you can always start over. It's such a relaxing way to live, to, to have okay. that freedom. Yeah. Right. So do you think like there's a process to it or if you could, is there like steps you can follow to take stock of your life and take stock in a very honest way that's not corrupted by your insecurities or by what the outside noise is telling you? Take stock and then proceed to make whatever changes would make you happy, you know, no matter their magnitude. Is there a way we can help people do that or people can help themselves? I think I think the first thing for, for me that I had to do and this is what I coach around too which is very basic is just sit still for a little while and uh, for me that might be with meditation or contemplative prayer or whatever it is or just just stop okay <laughs> put put a space in your life so you're not running around all the time doing stuff like intentionally put a little space in your life maybe it's a 
hour on Saturday, or maybe it's a, a a week or whatever intentional period of time just to sit still and listen to your inner voice listen to what your body's telling you about your life and i know i did this and many of us do we intentionally run around like crazy for the very purpose of not being able to listen to that voice because i i knew somewhere subconsciously if i sat still i was going to hear some stuff that i did not want to hear because i was too scared to act on it, like regarding getting divorced or something like that, or regarding changing my career. Like the busier I stay, the the less I could have to think about that, right? And I, and if if you're having that feeling in any way, like you're have something that you're too afraid to feel, like something you're too afraid to think about or look at, that's a really good signal that you'd probably need to do that. <laughs> like just right. sit still. And just yeah. feel it. Just, just let, you know, I do it with meditation and there's so many different ways you can learn to do that, all kinds of apps and things like that. Um, and if you don't like the word meditation, you can substitute it for something else. But it's just really sitting still, being present and just being in your body and listening to, okay, how do I really feel about what's going on right now with my life? Is this what I want to do or, or do I want to do something else? And then just listen to your thoughts without jumping on the, tr- you don't have to jump in bed with them. Like if you yeah. can sit and sort of remove yourself, which I think is sort of down lower somewhere, maybe in my chest area from the buzzing noise in the brain and just kind of listen to it, but don't get attached to it and just watch and see if there are limiting thoughts. Like when those things come in and say, oh, well, you should be, or maybe this, you're not good enough. You kind of listen to them with a little bit of detachment. Um, but just observe your thoughts. And I spent a lot of time doing that. And I was, it was really interesting because there was some crazy stuff going on up there. Um, and if you can observe your thoughts and then just start challenging them, like, are you sure that's true? Wait a second. What, um, I like that question. Are you sure that's true? Like, do you really have to get married by your 30? Like, right. or, or what if that's not true? Just, just question it. What if, what if, what if that's not true? I love that. Yeah. What would it be like if that wasn't true? Okay, and then it just sort of loosens up a little bit. Like, oh, okay, well, maybe. Okay, are you sure when you're 50, like, you're not um, sexually relevant anymore? And, you you know, well, no, I'm not sure, actually. And, yeah, I'm not, no, that's not true. And I'm not going to, I don't believe that when people tell me that. So when you said taking stock of your life, that really requires some time. You know, and is, is is your life worth investing that time in like I, mean, I think about the stuff we invest time in like we don't most of us invest much or any time and just sitting still and taking stock of our life like you said i love the way you put that and it's so important and i didn't do it at all so you know anyone who's thinking about doing it when they're 29 it's like I mean, that's amazing because when I was 29, I was just running around as fast as I could to stay busy and not think. So maybe sitting with our thoughts and analyzing them and examining the negative beliefs, the limiting beliefs for whether they're even true or whether that's just insecurity showing up, right? Do you think that that would, and you know, I was going to ask you if there's ever, like if you've ever met anyone or if you ever felt 100% sure when you made a big change uh, to your life, you know, after your 40s or your 50s, when you made a big change, but you've just answered my question. Like you, you got to keep examining that. I don't think, I don't think anyone is ever completely certain of 
anything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, we, 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 I think we, and I, when I'm, I'm about to say we need to do something and I'm like, oh, I don't like the way that sounds, but we could, we could benefit. I'm trying to use language that is, is, feels good to me. We, I think we could all benefit from just sitting still. Yeah. And uh, realizing that uncertainty is not the enemy, you know, because when you live in a box, you know all about that, right? I know everything in the box. Like that's, that feels comfortable with some people call it our comfort zone. Like it's our comfort zone. There's no surprises in there. Everything's certain. We know what's going to happen. So if we're outside our comfort zone, guess what? It's uncomfortable because we're outside our comfort zone, but there's nothing wrong with that. Like, so being okay with uncertainty and being okay with discomfort and we're, you know, obviously when you put your hand on a fire, that's like really uncomfortable and it's wise to take your hand out. So that's the extreme version, but just this emotional discomfort of being outside of what's maybe acceptable or being maybe on the edge of what your friends might like, or that kind of emotional discomfort. I think it's really great to learn to be comfortable with that type of discomfort because when we're not uncomfortable, we're not growing. And we all know this, like when you go to the gym or when you're trying to learn to play the piano or you, you know, you, it's going to, be hard, right? It's not easy. Right. And and we all know that, you know, you're studying and you're learning and it's hard and you've got to read books. And But when it comes to um, our emotional growth, we sometimes, or at least I did, t- tend to really go back into that comfort zone and not realize that if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. So that you're right, like you're, this, it's by nature, it's uncertain. And I've had a couple moments where I've made major life decisions where, where I had absolute certainty about the decision like when I got divorced I was like I, I literally woke up and said I've got to leave and that but that voice came from some of it was like a my higher power voice saying okay you've got to leave and I was so certain and I did but then you know of course a few days later I'm like holy shit what did I do I can't believe I did that like when my I maybe I made a huge mistake on it like and the doubt comes back in again when you when you take that big step or right after I had resigned from my career of 20 years being the leader of this big group I put my resignation I'm going to do this thing like five minutes after I made that decision I'm like oh my gosh what did I do oh that was I maybe I made the biggest mistake of my life or you know the doubt comes back in for sure so yeah you're never there's always that's always part of being human but um doubt is one of the you know it's a it's we're going to have it, but we, you know, somehow need to learn. I don't like saying need, but somehow really helps to learn to just listen to it. Yeah. Like I can hear that voice that's saying, Oh, what did you do? You just messed up your life. But, but hear the voice kind of like it's a TV in the next room is what I sometimes think. Like, don't jump on the train with it. I can be like, okay, doubt. I can hear you, but (laughs) I'm not going to get taken away with it but yeah it, um so yeah the the doubt is like that loyal friend that's never gonna leave your side <laughs> no matter your journey oh, yeah. but we gotta do it anyways because that's the only way we'll get anything done that's what you're telling our listeners yeah because if you if you're outside your comfort zone it's going to be uncomfortable and our doubting voice which is trying to be helpful you know all of these all these voices are they're you know in some way trying to be helpful they're trying to protect us from harm and trying to protect us from being judged and all these things but they're not very wise you don't have to listen to everything they say you know most of us have an inner critic that's a really uh, loud voice that tells us all the ways that we're not good enough and you know the inner critic we all have one um, and the inner critic really is trying to help us it's just not a very helpful 
way of going about it. Um, so it has good intentions, but so being able to listen, so my inner critic, I can listen and be like, okay, hi, inner critic, I, can't, I hear you, and thank you, but um, I don't need that right now, you know. So being able to separate yourself, like your your big self, your authentic kind of self from from the the voices, I think it's part of that sitting still practice. Right. So if you you know if you do practice meditation or some type of contemplative prayer, whatever you call it. Just sitting still, you get to experience hearing all these different voices yakking at you. And the room is silent, turns out. It's just all in your own head. But once you can learn to listen to them and kind of detach from them, uh, you said analyze. And that I was like, oh, don't analyze too much. Maybe just sort of sit. I mean, don't you do whatever works for you. But for me, when I analyze, I can go analyze. This takes me right back into my head. Then right. I'm just like, oh, well, stay down here. But just observe. I like. I think the word observe works better for me. Observe them. And then they just seem kind of funny. It's like it becomes sort of comical, like lighten up a little bit around it. You know, all these things that seem so uh, massive and dreadful, like, oh, my God, I've got to get married or it's like the end of the world. When you, when you, when you sit down and kind of listen, it becomes kind of a giant comedy. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, all these people are just like yakking at me. And it's just sort of like a comedy. Like, yeah. oh, and then you can it's a great deal of freedom when you can separate yourself from when I can anyway. And, and that's worked for other people. So I think it's good, a good idea when we can separate ourselves from those voices and, and be like, yep. Okay. That's one way of looking at it, but maybe I don't have to do that. You know, you have all this freedom now. Like I was saying, you can sort of live in this like much bigger yeah. vastness than just the little box. And, and that, really just is about freedom. I could say, oh God, that feels good. Like, oh, I don't have to do that. What a relief. <laughs> Sounds really <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> it is funny. I mean, listen to your own brain sometimes. It's like freaking hilarious. But sometimes we think it's so serious. Yeah, like, and we, we sometimes we behave like the whole world is just watching us. Oh yeah. Nobody I, cares. Just nobody cares. do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Yeah, and all of us are like, and all of our stories, we are the starring actor, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm the, I have the lead role in all of my stories, right? and everybody is, uh, everybody's part of my stories, yeah, right. But really, they're they're just doing their own stories. You're you're a very peripheral character in everybody else's story. Um, so then it just becomes sort of funny because it's not all about me. Turns out, yeah. it's like okay. Yeah that's a relief. I don't have to save the whole world by myself. And like my minor crisis is really not a gigantic big deal in the scope of the universe. So not to make light of people suffering because it feels really real. I mean, it feels real um, and we suffer and it hurts a lot. And that's very important to have compassion and for yourself and for others. And it's not that big of a deal. It isn't. Yeah. So both, True. instead of a both and thing, just like, yeah. yes, even like the worst things that you can go through, like death and divorce and, oh, you know, trauma. And I mean, even, you know, really big stuff, but they're not the end of the world. We can move past them and we can not be defined by them because a lot of us get so defined by our suffering and we've all had it. And then, but I, you know, try not to, I did for a long time. So again, I'm not 
heroic in any way. I'm just a bit older than maybe you and some of your listeners, but just try not to be defined by your suffering because there's so many other ways to define yourself. What if you defined yourself by your best days? Or by the courage that you showed in the wake of your suffering. Oh yeah, beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, getting out of that sort of victim mentality, like everything's happening to me and I have no control if everything's happening to me. Like maybe everything's happening for me. Like it's like there's a, even in the most awful things that, that there's something in it that's going to lead to my growth or something, yeah. you know, because it, it, it does. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It hurts a yeah. lot. That's an amazing way to put it. Everything's happening for me. If you could just look at situations like that. But for people who, who have reached a certain age, you know, a lot of the time I would hear my parents or other like people their age talk about their life. Like when I was your age, I used to do X, Y thing. And I'm like, you can still do it. Why not still do it? Right. You know, so how do we get them to snap out of that zone and maybe take their and start afresh or do some new things or bring some zest and some some more energy to their life after a certain age. I hope so. Well, so I did this research project for my book, which, um, you know, it's called Sexually Woke. So it's obviously about sexuality, but it's not just about that. It's about um, life. I I guess because I'm a gynecologist, I was looking at it through that small lens, but I could have written it about anything. But so so the secrets of the so-called sexually woke, what I'm going to tell you, because it's not about sex, actually. None of them were about sex turns out they were about life. So how do, how do we get people to be, how do we encourage people to be more vibrant and not give up on their lives when they're a certain age? And the secrets of sexually woke were all about that. The first one was um, being open to possibility, which was about that whole idea of not believing limiting thoughts, like being open to the possibility that maybe getting older isn't a negative thing that maybe, you know, challenging that story, maybe getting older is an amazing thing. Like, okay, I've got wisdom. I've got some more time. I can, maybe I've got a little bit of money. I can, maybe it's the most amazing time that I can do all this stuff. Maybe I can still go hip hop dancing or what I, why can't I? Like, so again, just listening to limiting beliefs and challenging them. So that could apply to sex because uh, I was studying it through that lens or it could apply to anything. Um, so being open to possibility, just again, getting out of that make-believe box and being comfortable with the being out of your comfort zone again going back to sitting still taking stock of your life listening to the all the why you can't do this and just saying maybe i can like what do you mean like yeah so i used to do that when i was 25 why can't i do it now now there are physical changes that happen there's some things i can't i can't run as fast as i could when i was 25 but within reason there's so many things you can do the the second one was paying attention and being intentional about what we do and that all goes back again to that sort of sitting still and the difference between attention and intention is for me anyway attention is where i put my mind and you can choose to put your mind on a billion things right you can choose to put your mind just on negative stuff or you can choose to put your mind on more positive stuff. And it's not a matter of um, being like living in fairyland and being like, oh, everything's positive or no. I mean, you want to obviously take it all in. There's 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. But at the end of the day, am I going to focus on recycling negative thoughts or I, am I going to focus on things that are more positive and you know, generosity and gratitude and things like that? So where I put my attention and then intentionality, just not letting life just happen to you. Like you're just floating down a stream, like having intention and making a decision to do 
whatever it is that I'm doing and do it with um, not that I have to, I should, but more, this is what I'm choosing to do. And I'm going to do it like with intention. So that was, that was a secret of the sexually woke, which turns out it applies to everything. And then the, the third one was just knowing yourself. Like you have to know yourself. You can't show up fully in a relationship or anything else if you don't know who's here. So if I don't, I don't know myself, how can I step forward and be with you? And that you can really only do that with that same thing we were talking about. Just you've got to sit down and be quiet and sit still and stop running away from all these things that you don't want to hear and just hear them and then deal with them and move forward, you know, because always wanting to be somewhere else and do something else and get something else that's that's just it's just a hamster wheel and it never ends and i personally don't want to do that my whole life and then die it's like okay that was a do-over i want to do it again you can do it over every day you can you can start again every second so yeah those were the three things that i learned know yourself attention be intentional and then basically be open to possibility i think that just applies to everything at every age life absolutely and i think that would also help people you know no matter your age but especially at a certain age when you know everything narrows down to that the changes that age is uh, you know bringing to your body and instead of getting bogged down by that new wrinkle or that gray hair you can build your self-worth all over again if you follow the process that you've just shared i think that would really help yeah i think i mean it happened to me so i know it can happen and then i interviewed lots of other people because i was sort of fascinated by the process that it happened to me and it's happened to a lot of people so this is available to anyone it's not like they you know these women in, in the in the what i called the woke group the women who had woken up to this like whoa like i can i can be bigger and do what i really want group and this was in terms of their sexuality but it could be in terms of anything really um they're not special or lucky or rich or they're just they just woke up and any of us can do that um so it's available to everybody it's free it's just just all it requires is you don't need any equipment you just sit still and start listening and so meditation practice i think is really key for me but other people approach it in different ways but it's just stop running for a second and just like you said take stock of your life yeah yeah and and you're free to change it right you can go any direction you want to like my son said why limit yourself you can have whatever you want yeah (laughs) (laughs) wonderfully put and uh, any resource, like I know you have interviews, You there's your amazing website, you've got like a lot of content already out there. But apart from, and there are your books, of course, what resources would you particularly recommend to the listeners that they can read, explore, so that they, you know, they have at least the resource to, you know, grab life uh, by the horns and go at it for all cylinders firing? <laughs> well, I- yeah, so I, I do have a ton of stuff on my website, which is uh, drsusan.com, D-R-S-U-S-A-N.com. And I'll tell you one really short, easy book to read that totally changed my life. And I mentioned it in my book, and I, t- I want everyone to read it. It's called The Art of Possibility uh, by uh, Ben Zander, Z-A-N-D-E-R. And I call it The Little Yellow Book. It's, it's I don't know how many pages, but it's not a thick book. It's maybe 100 pages, and it's like a, you could read it in a day. And it um, that was one of the life-changing moments when I read that book because he talks about this idea that you like we need to challenge the 
I, that we should be doing these things. Like there's a way of thinking, and he talks about it in the book, that opens your life up to possibility. And that it's, it's not a giant academic book. It's very easy to read. And so that I t- that's a great place to start when I have coaching clients. I say, you know, if they feel stuck, read that book because it's just, it, it'll unstick you. So that's a great one. And there's so many. I mean, such, we have, we're so lucky to have so many great authors and um, um, people who've worked in this space. Um, another favorite author of mine is Brene Brown. Uh, everybody knows her now, but I love her stuff if you're feeling stuck or in doubt. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, my last question is, uh, if you could like only give the listeners one piece of advice, what would that one advice be? I think as we've touched on it so many times, it would be to carve out some time for your week. And I would honestly do it every day, but to start with a couple times a week, maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's going to be more where you just sit still and just listen to your heart and listen to your thoughts um, and calm your racing mind and realize that you, you know, you, you're not your thoughts. Um, and, and that way you can take charge of your life and not be driven by you know, the idea that we're driven, it's like, really, who's driving then? Okay. <laughs> if we're being driven, who's driving? Put yourself back in the driver's seat. So yeah, just carve out some time and sit still. That would be my one piece of advice. So that was Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith, and I am so grateful to have had her on this show. If you want the list of resources mentioned in this episode, you can get it on my website, redefinenarrative.com. Search for the podcast episode, and there should be a list of resources and links for you to explore. And if you want to get in touch with our guest, the page will have all their relevant information. Now, if you found today's episode useful, please rate and review the show on iTunes or share it on Instagram. It will help others find the information should they need it. Remember to tag me at mehra underscore krapi so that I can thank you for your time. And if there is any particular issue or concern you would like for me to cover on the show, reach out to me on Instagram or use the contact page on my website. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.